Welcome to O2 Coaching's Empower Your Team podcast series with your host, Chloe Caron, founder and president of O2 Coaching. As an executive coach, author, businesswoman, thought leader, and speaker with more than 20 years of experience, Chloe's USC, her unique strategic contribution, is to create a new generation of inspiring and inspired leaders by positively impacting the lives of one million leaders through her webinars, conferences, books, and podcasts. In this podcast series, Chloe and her guests will take you on a journey, sharing their leadership stories, struggles, successes, and learnings. The conversations will highlight practical advice and insights for leaders. Be sure to share your thoughts on this podcast series on our LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Enjoy this podcast. Hello, Empower Your Team audience. If you've missed our last podcast with Manon Rouillette, where she talks about leaving your individual hat outside of the room and really get your CEO hat on, please make sure to visit our our website and go and listen to this podcast because you will learn how to create team cohesiveness, creating the right conditions, the trust, the vulnerability that allows team to really work together. As you know, Manon Bouillet is a former president of Videotron, a Québécois company, and she is now a business advisor. You will learn a ton from her, so please go and listen to her podcast. This week's podcast is with Natalie Brown. She is a legal director at uh, Groupe Mouvement des Jardins, and she talks about growth mindset and how, as I'm growing myself as a leader, can I grow my team? And actually... If you take it in the reverse way, you can only grow your team as much as you grow yourself. And the growth mindset allows you to take risks, to learn, to be curious, and to find ways to really bring in your best self. So I invite you to listen, enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody. Take notes because we have Natalie Brown in the house and Natalie... Uh, welcome. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. Oh, thank you. We're going to have such a blast because you and I go way back when, and every we time do. we like, oh, we get, we get excited. Uh, but before we get started, I want to make sure that I don't forget to present you because you are a senior director, legal affairs. Yes, you are a lawyer at the Jardin Group. What else would you add to this uh, presentation? Well, that's my job, but obviously we're so much more than our job, right? So uh, (laughs) I'm also a mother of two beautiful young teenagers, and that's a beautiful compliment to what I do. And I'm also extremely interested in climate change and nature conservancy. So those are our subjects that really animate and keep me busy. And uh, very active also. I do a lot of sports and keep very busy that way. So not only do you sports, but you're like a, a ski freak, as I, as you and I, I am, were talking many times. Yeah, and you're actually at the cottage now. So. I'm at. The, I now live here. Uh, well, I'm probably going to go back to Montreal when school starts. Well, not probably. I am going to go back to Montreal. I'm still pretending that won't exist, but I will go back. 
but yeah, ski fanatic, uh, going into going skiing for me is my ultimate release. It just takes me somewhere else and allows me to uh, escape this crazy world. So yeah, definitely part of my lifestyle. And today's topic is development, is growth, is how do we invest in ourselves in order to be the best leaders that we can be, ultimately probably also be the best people, person that we can be. And when uh, we were looking at our topics and people to invite for those topics, like there was no doubt in my mind that for this topic, uh, which when you follow my 5C model, it, it all starts with us your name and your face and and your picture came in my mind because you're, you are so invested in your development. You are so invested in growing, learning. How did you get to that place or were you born this way? First of all, it really touches me that you say that because if that's what I exude and I, people think of when they think of me, I'm so, so, so touched by that. That's what you think of when you think of me, because I think it's, I'm honored to see that that's what comes true. Mm -hmm. So was I always like that? Probably not. But I think you reach a certain age and certain responsibilities in your job and your, your personal life and things happen. And it just brought me to a place where I realized that I want to be in a constant state of evolution. You know, it starts in your 30s and then you think you've reached, a, you know, you've realized everything when you're 40 and then you realize when you're 40 that you're just starting to get it and then... And every year just adds up and adds up and you realize that it's going to be probably this way till, till, till the end. There's a beautiful statue in front of my son's boy where it's a young boy reaching up and trying to reach up to a sculpture behind which represents the ideal. And it's a beautiful symbol for me where you're probably never going to reach it, but the important is that you just try to reach it constantly you can't you have to be in a constant state of saying I want to be better I want to be a better person and just stay in that state and it's interesting because I I feel like this was true before COVID but that COVID made it even more important I'm curious to hear you on that obviously our lifestyle have evolved we have more time since we're working remotely to you know go take a walk to 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 reflect on these things especially that first few uh, weeks there where we were really really in confinement and we couldn't go out to the restaurant couldn't go talk so i would go out and walk for hours with my podcasts and just reflect and i think that was my way also of coping with what was happening because it was quite traumatic i mean to see all these changes so abruptly So I would take a lot of time to walk and think about what this meant and what, where we were going and I wanted to be in this new environment. So definitely an accelerator of growth and development. So you talk about podcasts. I know you read books like a maniac. I, I, I heard you talk about Brené Brown, who's yeah. not related to you, but maybe be somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I can try to pretend that I am and write to her and I'm your long lost cousin. <laughs> yeah, I do actually. I, I say I, I read in quotation marks because what I do actually is most of the time I'm subscribed to Audible. So I read through, uh, through, your ears. through my, my phone when I walk. Yeah. So whenever I'm skiing or 
walking or running or even uh, I do I used to do a lot of commuting because I work in Quebec City as well so I, I listen to a lot of Brene Brown, Steve Covey, um, Ed Cartoli was the one I listened to during COVID which is another the power step of into now? putting your ego aside. Power of now and I read also A New Earth. And that helps a lot with the questions of ego and humility and, and just, it's a bit, you have to be into it because it's yes. different. I progressed a lot through, uh, through Edgar Tolley during COVID. So, so I, I love that you talk about ego because when, when we look at the five C model I present in the book, uh, the first C is, you know, it all starts with you and who you are as mm-hmm. a leader then indicates the impact you're going to have on the rest of the organization, on your team, on, on the people around you. And I'm curious to know what shift have you seen as you grew as a person, as you became a better version of you, I'll assume that. What impact did you see on others and you as a leader? Impact on others, obviously, I, it's, it's hard to say because I, they're probably the best person you could ask that. And I don't want to have the presumption that, you know, But I can attest to the fact that I do believe that we have the team that I'm leading, we do have an extremely high level of trust amongst each other, me amongst the team and the team amongst themselves as well. Already for COVID, part of us were in Montreal, part of us were in Quebec, so we were used to working remotely. And I think that requires a high level of trust, which obviously has risen because of COVID. We're all working at home. We all were faced in our particular team with very, very, the first few weeks, first few months, we were very busy because it raised for financial institutions a lot of legal questions. And we were extremely efficient because all the members of the team relied amongst themselves and trusted each other. It was a really well-oiled machine. So it's really that element of, you know, trusting me, trusting the advice that I give listening to each other. I think we've really stepped up our game as a team because of that, you know, everybody growing together. Maybe I was a part of that too, because of my personal growth probably aided that as well. So the word trust, I, I love that word because it, it implies so many other things because in order to get and to feel and experiment trust, other things need to happen. It's the result of a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Do you want to share a couple of things that perhaps you did consciously to create that trust? Absolutely. The job that I have now, I started more or less four years ago. And 90% of the team I was going to lead, as I was saying, is in Quebec City. So I was this girl from Montreal who stepped in the office in Quebec. They didn't know me. I, I was unknown. I came from the big city and I had to build that trust. So like you said, it doesn't fall from the sky. There's a lot of it that goes into it. So my strategy was to meet each team member and really take the time to sit down and make it all about them. Me getting to know them without me imposing anything at first. Just tell me about yourself. Who are you? What motivates you? What are your interests? What are your fears? What are your really, really taking the time and, and not doing anything other than listening? And that's another thing that I've been working a lot on, just 
listening. Don't listen to answer, listen to understand. And I invested a lot of time doing that. And with that information, I reorganized the way the team works. I reassigned responsibilities that ideally fit with the person's interest. And I think that by investing myself like that, they became open and vulnerable. And they were really, the apprehensions shifted away. And they were allowed to be open with me. It didn't occur overnight, but with time and with that mindset, there was trust that was, that was built. So today, four years later, when something like COVID happens or something like, unfortunately, at, at where I work, we also had another crisis than a year before COVID, which really shook our business as well. And when you have these really, really intense moments where, you know, time is of the essence and it's critical and things need to go fast and you don't always have the time to, you know, say please and thank you. And although you should, but sometimes you don't have the time to do it. But that groundwork was there. And I think it was very ideal for us going through two crises in less than a year. And so you talked about a safe space. I'm not sure you use those specific words, but you talk about, you know, creating a, a space where they didn't have to fear or uh, be afraid. Yeah. It seems to me when I think of you, and that's a, a really a characteristic, a characteristic of growth mindset, you're not afraid of saying, I don't know, or I've made a mistake. I'm, I'm thinking there must be something there that you convey to your team. That's, That's another thing that the team that I lead is has a lot of expertise that I do not have. Like I, I'm a, a financial expert, I'm a um, securities expert, but there are a lot of areas of laws where the people that are in my team weigh no know way more than I do, and I have to rely on their expertise a lot. So sometimes they come to me and they're the experts. So I'm more of a guiding light, and I, you know, I would be completely <laughs> it would be completely ridiculous for me to pretend that I know more than them in those particular areas. I've benefited a lot also of, of great um, bosses that have allowed me mm-hmm. to always be very comfortable in expressing my opinions. They've created that safe space for me, so I want to do the same. And I want it to be clear that the members of my team can always challenge me on anything, and it's not going to be a career-limiting move to challenge me, au contraire, if they do. That's how in the legal profession, I find that those discussions that are super animated where you challenge, that's where you can really step up your game. And as a team, we're stronger than any individual working alone in their office where, you know, together, if we challenge ourselves, we can bring our thought process much further. So I've always tried to create that environment where people are not afraid to bring their opinion and I might welcome it and I might dismiss it. But that discussion and that thought process is, A, what I like about my job. So I, I love doing that. And they see me doing it with my boss and they see me doing it with them. I also link that whole process to the fact that we're like 99% of companies now in an innovation mindset where if we don't innovate, it's the end of our business. So if you want to innovate, you have to be open to new ideas, to contradiction, to brainstorming, you know, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing and it's not going to limit and it's not going to limit your progress. 
definitely want that safe space where people can just say anything they want and it's all good. And I find that so refreshing because not that many leaders do that, but yet to your point, if we don't, then we, we cannot innovate. And we've seen with COVID that if we don't innovate, really there's nowhere to go. How have you found that with COVID, it had changed, it has changed with your team? Do you find that it's easier to have those difficult conversations or is it harder? I'm not sure COVID, for, on that particular point, yeah. I'm not sure COVID has changed anything because we were already initiating it. I'll link it particularly to the digital transformation because that's what occupies about 90% of our time in the legal department right now that I serve. So that was initiated a long time ago. So the, the capacity to challenge and to re-see how we do contracts and serve our, our members that was initiated and, and I had already talked a lot about and challenged the lawyers and our team to, to challenge old opinions and to, 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 to see otherwise. Obviously, COVID accelerated all of that because we were forced to put in place solutions that we had been planning for mm -hmm. four years ago. And, it, you know, we delivered solutions that were planned to be delivered in two, three years and we delivered them in, in a month. So we were forced to provide legal opinions very quickly. But I think we were already there in terms of, of you know, uh, we had already thought about it before. So we were ready for it. So I'll shift a bit gears because I want to talk to you about um, how do you prepare for your career next move? I find it very interesting because <laughs> I, I, love, I love talking to leaders because they're always ahead. They're, they're yeah. in the moment and, and you're definitely present and you're definitely in the moment, but also great leaders think ahead. And so what advice would you give someone that needs to think and prepare themselves for the next move? It's funny you should say that because I remember when I got the position that I'm in right now and I, I really wanted it and I worked hard for it. And when I got it, I was so happy. And then lo and behold, the week later, I think I was already thinking, okay, what next? <laughs> so yes, I think we're always looking forward and trying to see what's next. For me personally, where I'm at, and that may be a good segue for, for the advice that I would give is, right now I manage a team of, of about 30 lawyers and I'm more of a, you know, hands-on manager. And where I'm trying to shift is more to strategic thinking and, you know, moving higher up and, and going towards that more strategic approach, less hands-on uh, managing. So how do I prepare for that? I try to step away from the expert role that has led me to where I am today. And that's hard because that's always been my, you know, ace in my, in, my, in my cards is I'm an expert in this and that, and this is what I bring to the table. And now I'm surrounded by experts who can support me. So I have that baseboard that, can, that I can bounce off of and say, okay, well, that expert role is being taken care of. Now it's time for me to move on. And it's quite a, a difficult departure, but I'm trying to reserve time in my every single week, uh, that's my takeaway from the Stephen Covey book, The Seven Habits of Highly Affected People, where I really try to focus on that uh, reserve time in my week where I can start to 
think strategically about this business, about our competition, about what the competition is doing, about how um, legal teams are being managed. And I, I really try to reserve time, reflect on it, so that when I do have opportunities within my business where I'm talking to uh, C-level executives, and I have made that reflection, if it's pertinent, I complement their discussion with more strategic reflections. So I'm trying to lay the groundwork so that I'm being perceived as more strategic ally. So that's what I would do. And I think for, I, I, and I think for women particularly, that shift from being the expert to being more strategic it's, you, you really have to put a lot of effort into it because for me, it doesn't come naturally. I really have to plan it and put effort into it. And you're really not the only one because every leader that I work with have that to a certain extent that their career was built on their expertise. And then it becomes not that it's not important, obviously, but then you really need to think about what I call your USC. You remember you and I mm-hmm. did doing that exercise yep. way back when where you really think about what is it that I want to contribute to the most strategic level. And exactly. it seems to me that if you have that clear in your mind, your USC, it's easier to do what you just said. Absolutely. What's your USC? <laughs> I'm curious. My USC right now in the organization, like in my current position, it's I'm an enabler. Like I'm I have a team of 30 experts that are there that are there to serve the company and identify and mitigate legal risk and I have to ensure that they have the right tools to do so that they're in connection with the right people to do so that their whatever advice that they give is brought to the right people to take the right decision so I'm I see myself as an enabler more than an expert I'm, I, I, I have to ensure that this team has everything that it needs and that they work coherently to be able to serve our mission. And it's interesting because if you're an enabler, it's very different as you were talking before than if you're part of the team doing it. Absolutely. And it took, it took some time for me. And obviously, after four years, it's much easier to be an enabler because in the beginning, your first 100 days, your first year, your first two years you do have to get your hands dirty and, and be in some of the projects because you have to understand how the team works, what it is that they do. But once you've done that, you can progress and you can withdraw and let people do their job. And then you just, tw- you, you bring little tweaks here and there to make sure that it, it, it works well. And, and I think the, the good benefit of that is that it empowers the teams, the team members also, because you know, you let them do their job, they're empowered, they're responsible, they're the ones doing the job, they're the one answering the client. I think that's very empowering and mobilizateur. I don't know what that the right engaging. word would be in English. Yeah, engaging, exactly, engaging. And that was my, actually, that was my next question. What's your one tip? Like if you had to give only one tip to empower your team, what would that be? Is it what you just described, shifting from the expertise to being more of an enabler, or what, what? What else would you give? I I would also stress the importance of positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Definitely, mm-hmm. but I think it's so important. And again, 
I really, I have in my note that says every week I have to give feedback to whoever deserves to get positive feedback. So I don't forget to do it. It is the one thing that really allows people to know that they're relevant. And that's the one thing, job, to know that you're relevant means everything. And there's no amount of salary, there's no amount of monetary remuneration that will compensate for the fact that knowing that whatever you're doing from nine to five or eight to six or seven to seven is relevant and needs a relevant contribution to, to the business. So I really, really try to stress a lot and encourage not only me to them, but them amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. I have right now a really good vibe and I see it every team meeting and we have applications all this where we can send each other the bravo and all that and our, our team members good use of comforts me a lot because people need to know that it's relevant and useful and do you have a special technique to provide that feedback like do you do the sandwich uh, methodology or you know there's different versions of providing feedback i have one in the book but what do you use I just try to do it as often my in the group setting. I think it's very payant. It's very re- rewarding to do it. And it, obviously everybody gets to congratulate whoever it is that deserves congratulations. So I stress that a lot. Obviously I like to do it one-on-one also. If it's, if it's warranted, I'll pick up the phone and I'll just call somebody and say, Let's say we're going to finish a collective where a, um, a team member provided, did a really good job. Whenever we hang up, I'll pick up the phone again and call and say, that was really, really good questions on that. I don't, I don't give it if it's not warranted, but if it is, I will go out of my way. And you said something that for me resonates so much, which is people want to feel validated. People want to feel like they're making a difference. Like every morning, people get up. And they go to work, even if it's not so far, even if it's in their home office, they go to work yeah. with a feeling of saying, I want to make a difference. But the only way for them to know they're making a difference is if it's reflected back to them. Absolutely. One of my great other uh, great, great, great uh, mentors is Oprah Winfrey. And she ended her, when she ended her show, she said, this quote that I will always remember that I have written in my house also driven with my friends. Everybody needs to be seen. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. And everybody needs to know there. And I think that in the workplace, that's extremely relevant as well. Yeah, so true. So true. What's one piece of advice that you would give a leader that feels maybe stuck or want to raise their game? Well, for me personally, it has been a constant, constant, constant get out of your comfort zone frame of mind, always. If ever I spend a week or two where I feel that I'm coasting, it is not good. And aside from vacation time, which is clearly a must, aside from those times where you need to disconnect and do nothing and, and enjoy life, I am a firm believer of just always, always, always putting yourself in a situation where you are not in your comfort zone, and that is where you progress. And it, that sounds cliche as well, but 
for me, it has been my my the modus operandi, just how I'm made. And I think it puts you in constant evolution because you're always having to learn new things. And in the end, they always, and the new things that you learn, even though it's not evident at first, they will always be relevant to where you want to go. Interesting. If you had to summarize leadership in three words, what would those three words be? The first one is humility. I -hmm. think you need to be very, very humble to be a leader because you need to recognize what you don't know and you need to surround yourself with people that can compliment you and nobody does it alone. Mm -hmm. So you need to surround yourself with people that are very good at what you're less good at. So very, very, very humble. The second one I would say is the word we alluded to earlier is trust. You need to spend a lot of time building trust around you and showing people that you are trustworthy. And then keeping it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, you have to be true to your word. You have to be, if you say you're going to do something, you have to do it. So trustworthy. And the third one for me is a new one that I took away from one of uh, uh, Brene Brown's most recent book, and it's belonging. Mm. To know that you belong there, to believe, to to know it in you know inside of you that you believe that you belong where you are. Be it at a sea level meeting, you belong there, and you are there for a reason. You're there to contribute, so do not be afraid to talk. You also belong in when I talk to my team members, sometimes in the beginning, I used to give them advice and I was like, who am I to give them advice? Like, this is ridiculous. You know, I can't believe I'm giving somebody else advice, but no, I belong there. I was hired for a reason and it's up to them to take the advice or not, but I'm going to give the advice. And I, I, you know, we've been doing what we do for 20 years now, more than 20 years. years, We we do have some good uh, little tidbits to share. (laughs) That sense of belonging. And imagine if we could start there. Like if we could start in that feeling of belonging and not wait to have those years to prove to us that we do belong. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think when you start there, your posture you you exude something much more when you're when inside of you you are in that posture mm-hmm. you you get the assurance that you need to inspire and it was a big aha moment when i read that natalie it's it's the end i can't believe it's already <laughs> the end of our time together but i you've been uh, very inspiring uh today and as you always are but It seems to me that today was definitely a special moment that we witnessed. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for the opportunity. And and you are so good at what you do. And you are so good at asking the right questions and challenging us. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this Empower Your Team podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and can take away powerful tools and ideas. For more free content, events, and development tools, visit our website at empoweryourteam.com or on our LinkedIn or Facebook pages. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter to continue receiving Empower Your Team content and insights.